If your AC is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your AC unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A refrigerant with leak sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill, presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Welcome. Inner sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have, within you, the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way, with new eyes. So, stay with us, and together, we'll look at the world and ourselves with inner sight. Our topic for today, the power of speech and silence, part two. Before we explore this topic, I'd like to say a few words about Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey is the founder of the Lucis Trust, and Lucis Trust sponsors this show. Alice Bailey also wrote 24 books of esoteric philosophy, and those 24 books are the main inspiration for the dialogue that you hear on this show. The following thought also comes from the works of Alice Bailey. The purpose of all speech is to clothe thought and thus make our thoughts available for others. Speech reveals and right speech can unite, just as wrong speech can divide. Last week we were discussing how much communication has expanded with the widespread use of cell phones, uh, the internet, and so many other things. But it seems as if this, in, this, as this uh, it's not really necessary. It uh, isn't necessarily spiritual communication, or is it spiritual communi- communication? Well, I suppose a case could be made for either view. Uh, in my opinion, there's a lot of wastage of energy and dispelling of force through the uh, non-stop global conversation now underway via the Internet, via cell phones, via the media of all sorts. In some ways, it's very positive. It's knitting the planet together. It's uniting us all in a, in a, uh, a global conversation. But if you listen to the substance of the conversation, you wonder if anyone is really aware that whenever we speak, we, we dispel and dissipate energy because to talk is to share energy. And we v- reveal the content of our consciousness. 
the opening thought that you just mentioned said the purpose of speech is to clothe thought. And uh, if we think of that in its real uh, implications, every time we open our mouths, we're revealing what's going on in our minds and hearts, in our consciousness. And I sometimes wonder if we could really hear ourselves speak or if we had to listen to a tape of our conversation for the whole day before we could fall asleep at night, if we had to listen to a tape of everything we said, I wonder if we could bear it, because I'm speaking for myself now. There's such a waste of words and, and sometimes such inappropriate speech and such stupid, unthinking uh, things are said, and at the same time opportunities are missed to speak appropriately. But speech is a great exercise in learning the value of uh, spiritual energy and how to harness it. That's right, and we have to remember, too, that when we speak, we are creating thought forms. Uh, we don't see them, at least unless you're clairvoyant or clairaudient. Uh, these are forms of thought that are being uh, created all the time in the energy fields that surround you, and uh, there is a, if you're constantly chattering and chattering and chattering, you have this big cloud of chatter that you've <laughs> created around yourself. And uh, um, it, it's, if you ever wondered why you feel so, so filled up or so, um, uh, so saturated <laughs> by the time you finish talking, well, that's why, because you, you have all of these thought forms created around you in the, in the big whirlwind in which you live. And, and uh, so uh, you have to be aware of that. You, everything you say, and particularly a very heavy thought forms, if they're just coarse uh, speech, then that's the nature of the thought forms you're creating. I think there's also a, a sense that when you when you speak, you you not only reveal the content of your consciousness, you give something away. And uh, if you speak too much, and if you speak too flippantly, too um, too unthinkingly, and without uh, any restraint at all, I think you have the realization that you've you've uh, dissipated. A resource. I know I do. It's easy for me to babble on and on, and uh, if I do, I have this feeling that energy has gone out of me that could have been more rightly conserved. Right, and it, it's here again. It's it's dissipating all of this energy and force that just kind of pours through us, and uh, that's why it's it's uh, it's good to try to conserve one's energy and use it more constructively and productively. And if you have to build thought forms, then build something that's uh, a much finer grade of, out of finer grade of substance. And uh, that that's a, a good test that one can uh, place before himself. The other aspect of speech, <laughs> though, is silence. And um, there's, I think, a strong, iconic image in uh, in this culture and in movies of the strong, silent type, the John Waynes and Gary Coopers of the Westerns that were seen as people that had great power at their disposal and probably great wisdom. 
And I've often wondered, is it really merited or is it simply that they don't reveal what's going on in their heads as much as those who talk a lot do? In other words, uh, because they speak so little, we assume that they have uh, lots of wisdom that they're Mm -hmm. simply holding back from us. Maybe, maybe not, but silence does carry power. Yes, and it may be just uh, they have a going through a particular lifetime in which the soul is <laughs> developing reticence <laughs> and uh, developing the capacity for silence. Mm-hmm. Because I think as one progresses on the path of discipleship or the path of return, then um, silence becomes ever more powerful and ever more necessary. It's a it's a stage that one has to learn to get to go through, and it's a it's a particular um, capacity that one has to learn is the silence. And it's definitely a spiritual attribute. Um, Pythagoras, among other great spiritual teachers, who taught in olden times, required his um, the applicants to his school at Cretona to observe observe two years of silence before they could speak. And um, when you think about it, what an amazing test that would be to be completely still, not speak for two years. I doubt that we could do it in our modern age. We're so accustomed to communicating every thought that comes into our head. Not only do we communicate them with our friends and family and our co-workers, but we call up talk shows and television shows and we phone in our thoughts. And... uh, it cultivates, um, I think, a, a, an ability to give word form to whatever ideas we do have, but it may also foster a sense in us that what we have to say is really significant and maybe a little more humility would be in order. I suppose training like the School of Pythagoras would make one realize that one's words are really not that great a benefit to the rest of the world. <laughs> well, yes, you find that out pretty quick because uh, uh, the, the world continues on even though you're you're not uh, contributing your all your wonderful speech to it so yeah. um, you know uh, it's, it's it's something to really think about there was um, <coughs> a group of religious commune in upstate New York that I read about in the New York Times a few years ago I even saved the article it's buried somewhere in my files this group has um, a strong condition uh, for their communal life that absolutely no gossip is allowed. And what they call gossip is of the strictest standard. You may not speak a word about anyone in uh, the the commune uh, outside of their presence. If they are present, you may say what you have to say. But when they are not present, you may not speak about them, even if you think you would be saying something only accurate and and harmless and uh, repertorial rather than judgmental. You cannot speak about them. And um, I thought that was an interesting constraint to put on communal life because underneath so much speech that passes for pleasantries, there is innuendo. I know if we all examine the way we speak, there's often a veiled purpose behind it that may even be hidden from ourselves, worst of all, that carries an edge, that carries innuendo, that carries a a cutting 
rather destructive element to it, yet it passes off on the surface for nice pleasantries. Yes, and we have to remember, too, that I think maybe the, the ruling for no critical talk, because criticism like that can build walls between you and other people. And that's what we're trying to avoid, especially if you're living in a in a group situation and you're trying to uh, build a an atmosphere of trust and goodwill and love and right relationship, then um, any kind of speech that tends to build a wall around you or between you and others uh, is just, you know, it's very destructive and destroys the smooth flow of the energy uh, within the group. And another um, problem Mm. with criticism is that it keeps us from focusing on our own limitations. As long as we can focus on the problems and the faults and the shortcomings that we think we perceive in others. And I do think we ought to uh, question what we perceive in them because we look out at the world through our own substance, through our own veils, but as long as we are focused on criticizing others, we're not taking care of our own house. And that's our responsibility, not correcting others, but correcting ourselves and our own behavior. And another aspect of speech that's a problem with spiritual seekers is that it's so often used to shine, to make oneself appear smart, bright, witty, uh, whatever, whatever qualities you want others to see you as, speech is used for those purposes, and that's not particularly spiritually constructive. For those people who just tuned in, you're listening to Inner Sight. Our topic for today, The Power of Speech and Silence, Part 2. We have a special offer from Lucis Publishing Company, and that's the Alice Bailey book, Ponder on This. Ponder on this is a compilation of extracts from all 24 books by Alice Bailey, including many on speech. It's available for $19. Um, You get free shipping and handling if you write a little note saying that you heard about the offer on Inner Sight. So what you need to do if you'd like to take advantage of this offer is send a check or a money order to Lucis Publishing. Lucis is L-U-C-I-S. Remember, it's $19. Check or money. Lucis Publishing. 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. Once again, $19 check or money order to Lucis Publishing, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. If you'd like to get in contact with us for any reason, you can call us on our toll-free number. Many people call because they ask for a general package of information that gives you some ideas as to what Lucis Trust is all about. Its most frequently asked question is, is it a religion? No, it's not a religion. It's um, a spiritual philosophy organization, and there are people from all different religions, walks of life, nationalities, races, who have one commonality. They've all read or are reading or studying the Alice Bailey books. And the website, by the way, is www lucistrust.org once again the toll free number 1-866-695-8247 easy way to remember it is 1-866-NY-LUCIS think of 1-866-NEW-YORK-LUCIS LUCIS L-U-C-I-S your tax deductible donations can be sent to 
Lewis's Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. We appreciate your donations, large and small. They're an expression to us of your support. Um, it really is very appreciated because that certainly is what uh, helps very much to keep us on the air. Uh, we're looking for large donations, but the small donations um, all put together have helped us substantially. Uh, substantially. And if there's anybody looking to underwrite the show, we'd certainly be happy to talk with you because it's quite an effort for us every week to get the funds together to bring you these messages. So once again, donations, tax-deductible donations. Donations can be sent to Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. All of our InnoSight programs can be heard on our website, www.lucistrust.org. On the home page, you'll find a link to today's program, which will be available for hearing in a day or two. Last week's program is already available, and many of our past programs can also be heard. The theme of each week's program is posted in advance on our website, also so that you can see in advance what next, what next Sunday's program will be. I was thinking, you've kind of confused me with that idea of a thought form. Now, uh, uh, can a thought form, you mentioned it coming as a result of speech. Can it come also as a result of meditation? And, um, you know, and what exactly is a thought form? Yes, to um, both of those creative forces. Speech and meditation are both creative um, aspects. When we speak, when we meditate, we give substance to an idea. We build upon it, create a form for it, uh, round it out in our lower mind and brain, and it be takes on substance, you can say. And when we speak uh, for ill purposes, we are giving strength to something that should be dissipated. When we speak for spiritual purposes and when we express love through our speech, we're building for very positive factors. Right. Uh, speech is very uh, esoteric and it's, it has a kind of magical properties to it. And uh, I think we mentioned before, perhaps in the last program, that when we speak and when we create a, an idea, we're working with energies and forces. And that on our own little level is what God does on his level. I mean, as we said, I think before, um, in the Bible it says, in the beginning was the word. Now the word was the sound. And uh, God spoke by the use of sound. He started the whole process of creating the world through the process of sound, not a, probably not a sound that we can hear with our little ears, but a very complex sound that has resulted in the formation of planet Earth. And uh, it is said that um, God has not yet concluded what he has to say, and hence the, the present uh, imperfections in the world. He has still more to say and there is more to come in this great creative process and some people have likened it to uh, uh, God as a great um, composer he's composing a great symphony and he has not yet finished his symphony so that's another way of looking at sound the Hindu um, view of, of what you're saying is that God is a great singer 
The Hindu teaching says that the great singer built the worlds and the universe is his song. That's right, and he's still singing. Mm -hmm. He's not done yet. (laughs) We have not reached that state of perfection that that will come in the final movement of his great song or symphony. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what you're saying is slowly registering in human consciousness today because there is so much talk and there is such an awareness, um, increasingly so, of the power of sound, both for good and, and ill. I think we are gradually becoming more sensitive to it. And when we think about all the talk shows, they create a great deal of controversy sometimes. And I think people are realizing that words can heal, words can destroy. Look at the deliberations in the United Nations. Anybody who thinks sticks and stones will break my bones but words can never harm me has not participated in diplomatic negotiations or uh, the difficult kinds of subjects that are taking, uh, that are being considered on an international level. Some of the things that have been said in um, the debates and the discussions between nations are quite wounding. Calling nations evil, calling them the great Satan, calling them uh, racist and so on. These things stick and do carry uh, destructive power. And that reminds me of something a friend of ours was saying recently, that there's a book out about the sticky message. And Mm -hmm. the point of this book, I guess, which I haven't read, is that for political and advertising um, uh, initiatives, you have to make your message more and more sticky to get anybody to remember it. And I think that's related to the sound bites that politicians are getting so masterful at. It's harder and harder to get a message out because there is so much talk. Yes, you know much about uh, it? well, yes. I mean, it's it's trying to um, so synthesize what you represent in a way that will make people stand up and, and listen. And um, as you say, there there is a, there's such a cacophony of sounds throughout the the world that. Uh, it's hard to to hear through all the whirlwinds, and, uh, and so it's you have to come up with something very evocative uh, that um, people can remember. And our our attention span is becoming shorter and shorter because we're so used to uh, uh, hearing all these little short bits of sound bites and so forth, and um, <clears throat> uh, a few second commercials. And, that sort of thing that uh, so much we depend on to to convey information. I suppose one of the uh, effects of all of this um, is that we're all terribly overstimulated. I was reading uh, recently that the capacity to memorize, to commit poetry and um, old Shakespeare's dramas to memory, which used to be an attribute of students um, at a fairly early level of their education is no longer possible. People just don't have the training or the um, uh, they don't know the techniques for committing anything to memory. And I wonder, is that part of the, f- the indication that we're just overloaded and uh, we don't have any way of um, filtering out the useless and superfluous? It, it all comes in and 
if there's something really deep and profound, it'll just be there with a superfluous message and not recognized. Right, and uh, you can look it up, you can Google it, and you can find it. So, I mean, it isn't like you have to uh, remember, it? remember it, because it's all there at your fingertips in your little computer. And uh, But is, is it really in your consciousness? I mean, that's keeping information at arm's length, but real wisdom, is there no, a place for that? No, wisdom requires quiet, uh, at first quiet just a stop to stop and, and, and listen to your inner voices. I don't mean the, you know, the voices of your, your, your the, all the um, astral, all the astral <laughs> entities you might contact, but I mean it's, it's the inner voice of the soul that is trying to get through, and that would be more of the voice of wisdom. So um, we just don't take the time anymore to, to listen to that. I wonder if people are really um, trained in speech the way they used to be. I'm thinking of the great leaders like Churchill, FDR, JFK in his inaugural address. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what Mm -hmm. you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And we'll fight them in the trenches Mm -hmm. and we'll fight them in the... Whatever. That Th- was those, are, those are sticky, uh, sticky messages. <coughs> messages. They stuck, yeah. Mm, yeah. Do we have leaders and great ones today who can speak to us in that way? People used to gather around the radio to listen to FDR's fireside chats. Would we do that now? Gather around the, the Internet? Yeah, computer? I don't see too many people talking about listening to a great speech anymore. Yeah. I think we're in a a period of enormous uh, babble, but maybe not a lot of communication. And I think it's a a breakdown, so much a fragmentation of human speech today that uh, uh, the lower mind is becoming so fragmented, the lower thinking mind, analytical mind, and I'm not sure that that's so good. Mm -hmm. Or maybe... uh, Maybe there will be a, a reaction to it and we'll finally come to our senses and uh, realize that we have to begin to think more deeply. Alice Bailey uh, called for a period of silence at this time, um, and I think that's what we're implying. Both silence and speech are needed, and there's a balance. Like you implied, Robert, we are, or I guess you did, Dale, that we are all of us probably leaning toward one or the other, too much speech or not speaking enough and in the appropriate ways. So we're all balancing this out. But Alice Bailey said, speaking of humanity as a whole, that it needs silence at this time as never before. She said it needs time to reflect, and I think that's what you're saying, and the opportunity to sense the universal rhythm. Modern disciples and aspirants, if they are to do their work, and serve the plan need that inner reflective quiet, she said, which in no way means that they sit in a chair and don't do active, constructive work, but the kind of quiet that releases them from useless critical speech and the feverish discussions and the constant preoccupation with what their co-workers and their cohorts are doing and just being silent and listening to their inner resources. 
suppose all of us could cultivate mm-hmm. that more. Please take advantage of uh, today's special offer from Lucis Publishing Company. And that's the Alice Belly book, Ponder on This. Ponder on This is a compilation of extracts from all 24 books by Alice Bailey, including many on speech. It's available now for $19. You get free shipping and handling if you mention InnerSight, that you heard about it on InnerSight. So what you need to do to take advantage of the author offer is to send a check or money order to Lucis Publishing, Lucis, L-U-C-I-S, Lucis Publishing, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. You've been listening to Inner Sight. Now we would like to close with a world prayer called The Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds, let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts, may the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth.